Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Be sure to subscribe for the latest updates and new episodes to this podcast. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Catch us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 on Facebook Live. Also, this Sunday, we'll have an outdoor service at 9 a.m. I want to begin today with a story. A story. And I want you to imagine with me a story that you have never heard before. And this story is challenging, but it's not challenging because it's so far-fetched and it's so outlandish. This is challenging because it's real. It seems very real, very realistic, something that you can relate to. Uh, Begin first with the setting. The setting of this story happens on a, a road, a path, a journey that you are very familiar with from a place that you gather down the road to another place. It's a setting that you can relate to. And I want you to imagine with me the characters. Character number one is a man, a man, a common man. We don't know a lot about this one, but he looks like you. That's what the story would say today. He looks like you, uh, your culture, uh, your language. And, And you look at him and you see somebody that looks very familiar to you, a common, common man. Character number two. Uh, Character number two is a prominent leader in the community. This is somebody that's religious and devout, a shining example, full of wisdom. Somebody that uh, the community comes to in time of need. Character number three. Character number three is not necessarily as distinguished as character number two, but is well known because of their reputation, because of their family, because of who they are in the community they are also well-known. Character four, though, is quite different because character four is an outsider. Actually, outsider is an understatement. Character four is an enemy. Whereas character one, two, and three maybe look a lot like you, character four does not. The divide that exists between you and him is big, is great. And immediately... While you may begin to think that character four is the villain of this story, that's not how this story goes. By now, you've probably realized I'm talking about a story from Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to be today, Luke 10. Luke 10, and what I want to do today is I want us to read Scripture. And some of you are listening today, and you don't know anything about the Bible. You don't know anything about God. You we are so glad that you would like tune in and listen and watch. And we love you, and we want you to know that you're welcome here. But, but some of you are listening today, and the story that we're going to read, you've heard it like hundreds of times. This is one of the most famous stories ever told, not just in the Bible, but anywhere. And so, but what I want you to do today is I want you to put yourself into the story. I want you to imagine hearing it for the first time and see what it is that God would want to teach us as we listen to this story. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 
You have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. Verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Can I just say that I think his question is actually a good one. I think his question is one that I can relate to. Sure, sure, how do I get eternal life? But, but even the deeper question, who is my neighbor? Because I, I think that's a good question. Love your neighbor as your... So, so Jesus, who is my neighbor? I think that question in and of itself is a good question. The problem is that we know a little bit about the heart of the religious leader, the expert in the law that was asking. Because you see, in verse 25, we hear that he's testing Jesus. But then, later on in verse 29, we see that he wants to justify himself. So this is what I want you to see. It's not the question in and of itself that's wrong. It's the heart of the person asking it. He's not coming to Jesus really seeking wisdom and seeking understanding and seeking truth. He's coming to Jesus with an ulterior motive. He's coming to Jesus with a lens and a view that he wants justified. And so that's why he asks, who is my neighbor? In hopes of excluding someone, in hopes of justifying his form of self-righteousness, he asks the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells one of the most famous stories ever told. Here we go. Character number one. A man, right, was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, a path that was well-traveled in that day, a path that many people could relate to when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Character number two. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32, so too a Levite, character number three, right? Uh, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, yeah, character number four. Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. I love the New International Version. I use it often, but this is a, a time and a place where I don't really agree with the translation. Now, who am I to disagree, right, right? What I'm saying here, if you look at the original language, the New Testament was written in Greek, and you look at that, that word pity is like, oh, you know, like, uh, mm, too bad. And, and, but you actually look at the Greek word, and, and it's a fun word to say, splanismai. So I dare you to turn to your neighbor and try to say that, splanismai, right? It's pretty cool. But, but what does that word mean? It, it means to be moved, to be moved with compassion, to be moved, um, not just pity, it's kind of like, oh, you know, but, but, but this is splanismai, and that is, that is something deep within him is moved at this encounter, and so again, I want you to reset. I want you to understand. We have a, a man, a, a Jewish man. That, that's the character. That's the main story. And remember, who is Jesus telling this story to? A, a religious leader, an expert in the law, a Jew, and likely a host of other religious leaders. Maybe an, an audience, a crowd around them, mainly of Jews. So character number one, who is he? He's a Jew, somebody that the common man can identify with, a common Jew taking a path in a journey that many other people have taken. This is a story everyone could relate to. Uh, character two comes out, and character two is, is a priest. Man, a religious expert in the law, also a Jew. Somebody everyone would look up to, but what does he do when, uh, when he sees the man in need? Nothing. <laughs> 
right? Uh, the Levite comes, again, somebody who historically, his heritage was very valuable and important, also a Jew. He looks at him, and what does he do? Nothing. And then comes the Samaritan, but the Samaritan does not respond in the ways the others do, even though he's a Samaritan, and even though this is a Jew. And I think it's in Beijing, China, the longest bridge that exists anywhere in the world. It's over a mile long, which that's like blows my mind, engineering something that big, right? But the length of that bridge is not wide enough to cover the gap, the divide that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans. Because the Jews were God's chosen people. They believed that to be true. And throughout the Old Testament, we read that. But they looked down at the Samaritans because uh, there was a racial divide. Because the Samaritans had kind of intermarried with other non-Jews. And so there was racism here. There's a racial divide between Samaritans and Jews and a cultural divide and a religious divide. And so you better believe that when the audience is listening and they hear the Samaritan come into the story, they perk up. And they're paying attention. And their heart starts beating a little bit. They get a little sweat, perspiration on the back of their neck, right? Because this is a real example of a divide that existed. Let's keep reading. So he looks and he has not just pity, but splanismai, right? right? Compassion. He's moved. So what does he do? Let's keep reading. In verse 34, he went to him. The Samaritan goes to the Jew. And this is what I, I did it on the screen. I want you to see here. I want you to see how the Samaritan acted, how he responded. I want you to see his response. He was moved with compassion, but his compassion is filled with action. It's not just emotion. It's not just a good thought. It's not just, I'll pray for you. I'm going to, right? He responded with action. And so it's, to really prove my point, I, I, we just highlighted all the action words. And so whatever copy of scripture you're reading, just look at this though, the action, the action that the Samaritan took. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three Character two, three or four is who Jesus is talking about, right? Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord for us. At some point in the story, you have to stop and ask the question, why is Jesus telling this story? Why, in the midst of a group of Jews, a group of religious leaders, why does he choose this story? Another question, as I read it, I begin to ask, who are the Samaritans? in my life, right, right? Because again, I want you to understand the story. The story is being told to a Jewish audience and character one and two and three are Jews. They're one of us, man. And then comes character number four. And immediately everybody gets uncomfortable because nobody likes the Samaritans. We, they're hated and despised and rejected, but that is who 
Jesus forces us to identify with. Look, look, Jesus forced those that were listening that day as he told this story. Jesus forces them to identify with someone they hated, a Samaritan. Think about that. Think about that. You see, this is, this is what they wanted. They wanted to identify with the priest, right? The religious expert, the teacher, the wise sage, the one that everyone in the community looked up to, and, but, but they couldn't. They couldn't identify with the priest because he didn't act. He didn't have compassion. See, they wanted to identify with the Levite, right? The historical carriers of the covenant. They were somebody, man. They wanted to identify with the Levite, but they couldn't because the Levite didn't act. So as they're listening to this story for the very first time, they had to identify with the Samaritan. And that tells you all that you need to know about why Jesus told this story. We're in the midst of a series. It's called A World of Difference. And we're learning something about ourselves. I'm learning something about myself. And this is true that often in my life, I I tend to gravitate towards people that look like me. I I tend, uh, my world often, some of my best friends and the people I look up to, if if I'm not intentional, they they just look like me. They believe what I believe. They, They think like I think. And man, that's fun and great. But the problem is that we are called as a church to go. The Great Commission, Jesus' call to believers before he would leave this earth, said, therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, all the people. And in that command, in that command is not an invitation to just huddle with those that look like you and act like you and think what you think. And sometimes in the modern day church, we kind of get comfortable with this idea of, of kind of having church. And yeah, you, you come here if you're gonna, but, but, but we're not called to sit and say, come, we're called to go. We're called to go. And, and that will mean if we take that call seriously, that we embrace a world that we come into contact with, that we build bridges across to people that are very different than us. So this series is challenging me and, and we cannot preach a series entitled A World of Difference without focusing on this story. We preached it just a year ago in the midst of a series we did called The Uncomfortable Jesus. Man, Jesus, why do you gotta make us so uncomfortable? And that's what this story would have done for those that were listening. You see, we're learning, right? We're learning there are very real barriers around us, barriers that often keep us from engaging, keep us from showing up in other people's lives, keep us maybe at a distance. Maybe we say, we love you, but, but from a distance. But the call of God is, we talked about two weeks ago, to build bridges. That's what Jesus did. Look, look at who Jesus engaged. The tax collector who was hated by his own people, right? The leper who was the outcast of society. The, yes, the Samaritan woman. Man, that was, that was two strikes against her, right? She was a Samaritan. Jesus was a Jew. And she was a woman. But that's who Jesus engaged. He built bridges to engage and love those even that were different than himself. But in the story we read, the listeners, the Jewish experts in the law that were listening, they were very comfortable identifying with the Jewish man in the story, or the priest, or the Levite. But Jesus forces them to identify with their enemy, with the one they hated. So my question is this, when is the last time, when is the last time that you had to identify 
with an outsider? When is the last time that you had to identify with somebody who was totally different than you? I'm not talking about you just had a conversation and you smiled and you waved. I get that. But when's the last time? Well, what do you mean identify, you know, this age-old statement, walk a mile in their shoes, right? That moment as Jesus told the story, every single one of the Jews that were listening had to put themselves in the place of the Samaritan who was being a neighbor, who was loving, who was showing compassion. And I wonder, when's the last time that you and I were forced maybe to identify with somebody who was different than we are. We talk about compassion. We talk about as a church, our mission statement is that we are transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. But the problem is sometimes we like to love from a distance, right? And I get that because I'm, you know, I, I like people. I like you guys, but man, I like being alone too. And so sometimes we like to love from a distance. And so when we see the boundary, when we see the barrier, when we're the priest walking down the road and there's the outcast, there's the enemy, there's the one whose culture is different than ours, there's the one that everyone else hates and we see them on the road, it's really easy to see the barrier and to see the divide and kind of maybe whisper a prayer under our breath and walk the other way and say, oh, I love him, but just from a distance. You see, but today the truth is, I want, to, I want you to know, I want you to understand what it is, what I'm talking about is that compassion from a distance isn't compassion. <laughs> Think about it for a minute. That compassion, love, empathy, right, right? That compassion from a distance is not compassion. It's not. Right, well, what is it, what is the kind of, what, to be a neighbor, that's what Jesus was telling us. What does it look like to be a neighbor, to show this kind of compassion? Not, not just pity, but, but to be moved from your core. What does that mean? It means you cannot do that from a distance. You can't do that while a barrier exists between you. You build a bridge. You go running towards, and in this case, not only is Jesus telling a story, an example, but he is forcing those that are listening to the story to identify, to enter into the pain, the brokenness, the mystery of the enemy, of the outsider, of the foreigner, somebody that many of them would say they hated. And Jesus is forcing them to identify. And so here's the challenge for us. Here's the challenge for us is if we take seriously the call to go, we have to learn not just to say that we love people, not just to love from a distance, but enter into their story, enter, identify with their pain, to take a second. I heard this definition of empathy, which I think is really good. It says to put on pause for a moment your thoughts and feelings and emotions to value the thoughts and feelings and emotions of someone else. I think that's a great definition. But what would happen? What would happen if we begin to value the life of each and every person that we came into contact with. We began to see them with the lens. Uh, Jared talked last week about the heart-shaped glasses, right? That we began to see everyone through the lens of being a child of God. And because of that, we cannot love them from a distance. We cannot just stand off and say, well, I don't understand you and you're confusing, and you're, but I love you. That's not love. That's not compassion because compassion from a distance is not compassion. Compassion enters into their life. It enters into their story saying, I don't really understand you. I don't really understand your culture. I don't understand the way you do it, but I want to know you. I want to understand. I want to listen. And that is what Jesus was forcing those that were listening to the story that day to do. 
And I think that call is very real for us today, that we cannot love just from a distance. Compassion, right? Real compassion. It shows up. It enters in to the mess. It identifies. Um, a friend of mine who uh, is now the director at Hope Distributed, his name's Jeff. If you haven't met him, he's a great guy. And just this past year has kind of transitioned into the role. And Hope Distributed, if you don't know, it's a 501c3 that we partner with here at HFCN. It's right here on the property. And they distribute hope, literally, like food and clothing and furniture, meeting tangible needs in our community. And it's such a great ministry arm of our church. I love Hope Distributed. Thank you. Some of you are watching. I'm so faithful in giving and supporting and serving through Hope Distributed. But just recently, I got to sit down with Jeff and hear his story. And he shared it on our midweek program just a few weeks ago. And, and the interesting thing about Jeff that I didn't really know, I didn't know his story. And so he sits and tells me, he said, Adrian, I grew up poor. I grew up with a single mom who had to work two jobs. She could never be home. I knew what it was to come home from school and the electricity was turned off. I knew what it was to open up the fridge and there was nothing in it. He remembers. And so the really cool thing about Jeff's story is now as he serves at Hope Distributed, Man, he talks about serving people who oftentimes, uh, when we put signs out for Hope Distributed, we have to put them in like four languages because it is a world of difference. This is our community. This is who God has entrusted us with. But when people are coming through Hope Distributed, it's not hard for Jeff to enter into their story. It's not hard for him to relate, to have compassion. Why? Because he says often, as I'm serving, I feel like I'm serving myself. I look at the kid in the car with his mom and I see myself. And so because of that, he's able to enter into their pain. He's able to get past whatever barrier the world around us may say exists. He's able to cross that, build the bridge. Why? Because it's like he sees himself. He says every week at Hope Distributed, man, it's like I'm out there ministering, caring for Jeff, sitting out there in the car as they drive through the parking lot to get food. You see, the powerful thing about Jeff's story is he talks about identifying with brokenness, identifying with pain. We live in a world right now that's broken. We live in a world right now that is in a lot of pain. And I, I love, you know, social media, kind of. I'm not even sure I do, but I love it. You know, some of you are watching on it. Thanks. I love that we can have opinions and I love that we can speak truth. And I, I believe in that, man. But let me tell you in these days, we as Christians, some of us are so quick to say things and share things and post things. And man, great, post away. But I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm burdened in these days that how many times are we stopping to enter into the pain of people around us that we don't even understand, people that are different than us. And I'm not saying don't post, I'm not saying don't share, but I'm just saying the Lord's challenging me to hit pause for a minute and just stop and pray, stop and listen, stop and have a conversation and just say, man, I don't understand. Could you help me understand your pain? Because I love you, not from a distance. Because that's not what compassion is. It doesn't love from a distance, but it shows up. It empathizes, it walks in your shoes, it listens to your story, and it seeks to understand greater. And you may say, what, what? I'm not making the connection. Can I make the biggest connection of all? That's what Jesus did for us. 
That's what Jesus did for us. Don't take my word for it. Philippians chapter 2. It's my jam. It's my go-to passage. I love it. Right, right? But what does it say in Philippians chapter 2? It says, in your relationships with one another. That sounds a lot like what we're talking about in this series, doesn't it? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, he had the highest position. He had the highest authority. He had it made in the shade, right? He was in the very nature of God, but he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to be used to his own advantage, right? For his own benefit. What did he do though? It says in Philippians 2, verse 6, he made himself nothing. Being found in an appearance of a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, Jesus had it all. He had all the power and all the authority. But what did he choose to do because of sin, because of the barrier of sin that separated us from God? Jesus didn't love us from a distance. God didn't just love you from a distance way up there and say, I love you down there. No, no, no. That Jesus entered into our mess. He showed up and he identified with us, right? He became like us, a holy, perfect God, became human, right? The perfect became imperfect. He entered into becoming like us us identifying with our pain and identifying with our brokenness. Jesus didn't have to do that, but he did, but he did. And as we've been talking throughout the series, he's calling us to do the same. He's calling us to do the same, to enter into the pain. You don't have to be the savior. We've already got one of those. Praise the Lord. But what we do is we build a bridge in love. We enter into their pain so that we can introduce them to the Savior, so that we can represent the Savior. We're his ambassadors. We've been talking about that, right, right? So because of that, we don't love from a distance. But we show up, even when it's messy. Even like the Samaritan, when we might get a little bloody. We might have, oh, the responsibility. I keep going back and checking on this guy, right? Now there's a relationship there. It didn't matter because compassion from a distance isn't, compassion, right? As we prepare for this week of serving, best week ever, as we just are are launching into a week where we're commissioning the church to be the church out in the world, we've structured some of it. Like, we're going to get together and do yard work. We're going to get together and deliver cookies. We're going to get together and, and build stuff and serve. Like, that's awesome, but I'm really excited for the ways that some of you this week just get it And you don't have to be organized and you don't have to be commissioned and there doesn't have to be a time and a place you meet up. You're just going to be the church this week. And I love that. But as we are kind of entering into this in the midst of a pandemic, right, a crazy season where people need hope, as we enter into that, there's an image that I want you to take with you. And that's the image of a loving God loving you enough to enter into your brokenness in your mess, in your pain, in your difference, a world of difference. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.